Hey, Rue. Yeah, Daddy? You want to do a podcast with me? You want to do a podcast with me? Nothing can keep us apart. Nothing in this world. You and I, we were meant to be together. Welcome to Rue and the Preacher Dad, where a preteen, that's me, and her pastor dad, that's you, talk with each other about big stuff and the little things that matter. On this episode, we kick off a series looking at gender inequality based on a recent series of articles from the New York Times called, In Her Words, Seven Issues, Seven Days. This first podcast looks at a world made for men and how women being underrepresented affects all of us. So, you ready to talk it out, Rue? Are you ready to listen? Always. I can't breathe and I can't see you. a Saturday. What we are planning on doing for the next seven podcasts, starting with this one, is looking at a series that was recently put forth by the New York Times called, In Her Words, Seven Issues, Seven Days. And it takes a look at several issues uh, that have to do with equity involving gender. Right. The one that we're going to look at today is called A World Made for Men, and it's written by Emma Goldberg. But before we get into it, I just wanted to ask you about the whole series, Rue. So how did you discover this, and what made you want to get into it? My mom emailed it to me. She emailed the first article, and she wanted us as a, well, almost mostly as a family to read it together. Then I found out that you were reading it. Yeah, and anything like this I'm interested in, so, you know. Why does something like this interest you? Just because I'm a woman and I live in this world full of inequalities, and I get very mad when I... I I get very defensive and mad when I hear people stereotyping us and, like, saying that we're not strong or something, like, in... The classroom, as I was growing up, the teacher would always ask the boys to move heavy objects around, and I just thought, I I never really realized it until I started learning about that kind of stuff, but they still do it as we're growing up, and as girls are maturing more than, faster than boys, and some of, and a lot of us are stronger than them, so. Let's get into that righteous anger, I'll call it and dive into day one here, okay? Okay. So, A World Made for Men by Emma Goldberg. So, with this one, what jumped out at you? What struck you the most? Well, the first thing that jumped out at me and kind of made me angry was her name is Caroline Criado Perez. She's the author of a book called Invisible Women, and she... The author was talking about how she, in her book, she was talking about Aristotle and how when he, in his book on the generation of animals, he sidelined women as deviations of the norm and said that men were 
the primary human form. <sighs> yeah, and along the same lines, what got me was her saying everything from architecture to car safety to medication has been designed with the idea that the average man represents the average human. Right. And so what that tells me implicitly is that women are below average humans. Right. So what do you think, Rue? True or false? False. <laughs> Especially since female gender makes up more than half of the population of the world. And, like, I think people might think that just because it's not new and the fact that a long time ago, or even still now, women are thought of as weak and, like, people who work in the fields and stay at home and just make meals and, you know, it's just... And the fact that they're calling me a deviation from the norm, an aberration. I was viewed as something to be marveled at and to be curious about. Like I was some weird new species that they'd found. Mm -hmm. You keep saying I and me, and what's coming to mind for me is Shaka Khan, I'm every woman. Because you're, you're talking about how what's written in this article bothers you it affects you um and like shaka khan was singing i am every woman this is yes about you but it's about women everything is personified through this experience that is individually yours but that is shared with women what else in the article struck you um so miss criado perez also talked about how um when they were when people are testing cars they use crash dummies that are modeled after um based on the body of the average man which is taller and heavier than the average woman and so that puts women in danger and uh, what was interesting and kind of scary was the fact that because of that women are more likely to suffer injuries and it said, a female involved in a crash is 47% more likely to be seriously injured and 17% more likely to die. And those statistics are really scary. So why are crash test dummies modeled after the average male body? Why does this continue to happen? Or why has this happened in the past? Because... Because what we were talking about just just a few seconds ago about how they are they were viewed as the regular person, and that also reminds me of the fact that what comes to mind is like how people refer to the human race as man, mankind, you know, like one small step from man, one giant leap giant from, leap mankind. from mankind. Mm -hmm. I get what you're saying about how up to this point that has been that has informed us as a society, um, as is said about racism in America, this is also in a very different way baked in to our culture. Mm -hmm. So that can be explained, not justified, but explained. But now that it has been explained and we see it and we recognize it as inequitable, how do we 
remedy this? How do we see to it that women are not injured more in car accidents and other examples that the article exposes? Well, that was one other thing that I noticed in the article about how there aren't... The reason that these things are happening is because women aren't in the room when they're making these decisions. Ah. And that's... It's, and they aren't because um, I, <laughs> there was another statistic... Women represent just 14% of American art architects and engineers. So women are not in the room where it happens. Nope. <laughs> All right, then. Well, you had a question about this. Yes, I did. Um, and so my question to you was, why do you think there aren't very many women um, architects and engineers in America? I would assume that a lot of it has to do with a lack of resources for women to be able to study to be architects. Um, lack of resources being practically encouragement right. to do that. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Well, th that's what I was going to say about the fact that they just, a lot of girls and women didn't grow up being encouraged to do that kind of stuff, to reach beyond the stars, you know? And the fact that another reason would be encouragement from their teachers in college or even as they were growing up. Like, they didn't really help them to get to that point where they felt confident enough or they were qualified enough to be able to mm -hmm. be an engineer. So let me go back to something that you said before about how in the classroom it bothers you when teachers say, hey, we need some strong boys to move this stuff around. So when I think of an architect, I have to confess something to you right now, and this just has to do with our male-centric society. When I think of architecture, I think of buildings. When I think of buildings, I think of strong structures. When I think of strong structures, I think of mostly men. Right walking up and down those strong structures doing the construction work of them and all of that just kind of informs how I look at that vocation and so my mind automatically jumps to engineer architect man that's what I mean that happens that that's what I think of too mm -hmm. um and <laughs> I mean it could it could just be because my brother wants to be an architect but it you you can't make excuses for that kind of stuff. Cause, sure. I mean, when I think of construction worker, even, I just think of a bunch of men. That also has to do with the fact that I see a lot of construction in our town, and most of them are men working outside doing that kind of stuff on the roads and on bu and b buildings. <sighs> Another interesting thing that I found was the fact that when following World War II, a lot of women came into the workplace permanently, not just because the men were out to war. Um, and nobody ever paused to say, what do we need to do to accommodate this new workforce that's coming in? And so because of that, since like the 1960s, people have been setting the temperature, like the, the average temperature in buildings to, based on the metabolic rate of men. And so women have to cover up in blankets and bring jackets. And I've, I, I'd never really thought of it like that, but I do 
it reminds me of a lot about how when I went to uh, mommy's office, I would, it would be cold in there. Like she had a heater in her office because it would get so cold and I had mm. to bring a blanket. So the, another thing that jumped out at me was um, within healthcare in our, uh, in, well, the world about how, especially in the COVID-19 era, about how a lot of some vaccines that they made might be either dangerous for women or vaccines that they have given up on could be effective for women's bodies and not for males, but they would... Throw them out because they're not effective for a man's body. Yeah, because they would do those first tests on men only. And that jumped out at you. Why? Because, I mean, we could have missed out on so many opportunities for women to be safer in right. our community and our in our planet just because they didn't think about it. Mm. And what she said right there makes me think about how many missed opportunities have we had as a civilization right. for decades, centuries, because yeah, like of we, that discernment of thinking, well, this this helps women maybe, but it doesn't help men, so let's just throw the whole thing. Well, out. I mean, they they also couldn't, they also didn't, wouldn't think about women. They would just think this doesn't work on people. Ah. They wouldn't be thinking about if it works on women. They would just say because it doesn't work on this man, it doesn't work on people in uh, general. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and so I mean, like, what would our civilization be like for women? If and for people in general, if we just thought about them, thought about women more. I think that, and this is difficult for me to explain, but I think that so many issues, uh, we, we talk about intersectionality when it comes to things like racism, homophobia, transphobia, ableism. I think that so many of the issues that plague us as a society would be reconciled if we would do exactly what you're saying, Ruthie. If we were to prioritize women's issues, equity across genders, prioritize women and girls, it would elevate so much brokenness to a just playing field, for lack of a better word. Right. So, why do you think it took so long for people to realize that they needed to not only accommodate women, but also get more women in the workplace. And that came from another paragraph in here that was talking about how some technology companies like Facebook are trying to like get more women in the workplace, like it said, in 2019, last year, which is why I'm talking about how it took so long. In 2019, Facebook committed to doubling its female workforce within five years. So why do you think it took so long? Uh, I think it took so long. What The first thing that comes to mind as to why it took so long is because women have been looked at and continue to be looked at as objects. If right. they are looked at objectively, then they are seen as uh, problems to be accommodated or solved rather than human beings to be brought into the process of decision-making. Right. And so, so many issues, be they politically 
or in the workplace that have to do with women have historically been dealt with by men who will determine to what extent it is important and then based on that determination how they're going to deal with it those men and now there's more of an understanding of it's not about objectification it's about equity and for us to be able to solve this collaboratively then we need to be together in the room women need to as we said before need to be in the room where this stuff happens what do you think um i think we haven't really moved on from the fact that people what you said about how women aren't we haven't really moved on we've tried we're trying to but we haven't completely moved on from the fact that some people still subconsciously or consciously view women as objects or people just to work in the home to to serve men you know so throughout this article then the theme has to do with representation women being in the room to make decisions right so that the things that are affecting them are treated equitably and we as a society can all benefit so I was looking at some of this in terms of representation and I wanted to share this with you I was looking at the US Congress so currently 101 women are in the US House of Representatives and there are 26 female senators so for the first time in US history a fourth of the members of the US Senate are female Uh, nearly a quarter um, of the Congress are women so when you look at that information the headline says for the first time in US history we have nearly a quarter of women at the federal level uh, in Congress good job now get it to half right Thank you. I thought that the, that was what you were going to say. <laughs> so we have a way to go when it comes to the people who are in the room, who are making decisions right. together. And I mean, that's a good thing, but you don't just stop there. You have to keep going and get it to half and make sure that women are treated as equals. All right. So I'm looking forward to being involved in your campaign. Yay! <laughs> that led me to another thing. When I was in seminary, 51% of the student body were women, 49% were male, which I found really encouraging. But what struck me as odd about that is you get out of seminary then and now, and the percentage of clergy are still way predominantly men. Right. Depending on the denomination, of course, it breaks down in different ways, more evangelical, um, Denominations are closer to 9 and 10% of women are clergy. In mainline Protestantism, which is like the United Church of Christ, for example, mm-hmm. it's closer to 24%. But even that, it's okay. women are, are not as highly represented in clergy. Yeah, that reminds, that, that brings us back to the question that I asked you about engineers and architects. I mean, like the, te- the teachers... It could do with just the churches. Once they get out of seminary, they can't find a church that wants a woman, a woman pastor, or 
priest or clergy member. Why do you think that women have difficulty finding churches, parishes that want them to be their faith leader? I mean, for churches that aren't in our denomination and have different beliefs and stuff, it's not that hard to explain that they're not as... I don't, I don't know a lot about the other denominations and stuff, but maybe that other denominations aren't as welcoming to the, the female gender, but I don't really know how to explain it within our type of denomination, because, or at least in our church, because I haven't really gone to another UCC church. We may be a part of a more progressive denomination, but this is something that stretches across Christianity. This is a matter of religious history. Right. So, as you talked about Aristotle, and that being a piece of history that has informed how we look at gender equity to this day, I wanted to read a scripture for you, Ruthie, and see what you think about it. This is from... 1 Timothy 2, verses. Oh no. Starting at verse 11. <laughs> a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. <sighs> So what do you think about that? <laughs> it makes me laugh. <laughs> Why does it make you laugh? <laughs> because it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> and that reminds me of the fact that when I was doing that debate at school, it reminds me of the fact that you were saying that there are a lot of good things in the Bible, but there are some questionable things like the fact that one of the scriptures said, if your child disobeys you, you bring them to like the gates of the city and beat them with a rock or something. Well, with that scripture, I'm, first of all, I'm glad that it strikes you as funny, as well <laughs> it should, because this is all contextual stuff. One needs to understand when reading the Bible in any capacity that you have that context is everything. Right, and I mean... We were talking about cherry picking during my confirmation and the fact that people at school m may cherry pick and say this is what God said but it's it's all about context and also the fact that the Bible was written a really long time ago and they had different beliefs and no one was there when Adam and Eve were created and also the fact that I, when uh, Pastor Trent Read us from his Bible. Read from his Bible, the story of Genesis. In his Bible, it said that God created human, and split it in half and made man and woman. So the first creature did not have gender in mind, as we understand gender. Right. Adam which, means earth creature, right. from which we get Adam, to which we apply gender and the stereotypes that come with it. Right, and also the fact that we're, someone doesn't have to be man or woman, someone can be just, I am me. Like, you don't have to, like, we're getting to that point in society where people are 
realizing that they don't have to be one or the other. Like, right. Which, which also reminds me of another article where these two parents raised their child with the name Elliot, which is non, which is gender non-binary. Right. And, and raised them in a, in, in an environment, um, where they didn't call Elliot he or she. And once she, once he or she grew up, they decided that they were a woman. So it's being revealed that gender doesn't, isn't really that restrictive. Yeah, that it's not a binary, it's more fluid. Right. Yeah, and that's something that we might talk about more throughout this series, looking at, um, in her words, seven issues, seven days. <laughs> so, so wrapping up, one, context is everything, but two, when it comes to that scripture from First Timothy, of course, I would take to task with a majority of biblical scholars the authorship of that letter where the person who wrote it claimed to be Paul in order to gain authority as having been the person who wrote it. But that's another story. The bigger point is what they're specifically addressing, which is the creation story of Adam and Eve. So Eve, yes, she ate of the fruit first, but it was because the serpent, who was a trickster, uh, fooled her into doing so, yet she replied to the serpent that the tree of knowledge was good. She was taking of something that was good. Yes, she was deceived, but she wasn't deceived the way the serpent wanted her to be deceived. She thought that what she was taking of was good, and she shared that goodness with her partner. And so Adam uh, may have been the second person to do it, but he did it passively. Eve was the one who made a conscious decision, an active decision, to take part in what she thought was good, shared it with Adam, and Adam passively says, okay. <laughs> and then when God, Yahweh, comes along and says, what have you guys been doing? Adam goes, she made me do it, and points to Eve, again making himself passive and her the person who is active, right. her being the courageous person in my opinion. So the right. consequence... She is left to be the person who bears children and has the pain of bearing children. And which is really the physical pain. Which is really a, a joy if you get past you know that part. The physical pain? Yeah. Yes. And something with which I can only imagine. But also Adam just tills the ground is what his his consequence is. <laughs> so women from throughout, from the creation story, generationally, are given the gift of bearing life, which is what creation itself is all about, bearing life. Women bear life. So getting back to the First Timothy thing, and I'm going to end my sermon here, Ruthie, <laughs> I feel like the author of First Timothy is saying women need to be quiet because uh, if they were to talk... Uh, Things might have to change. <laughs> Things might have to change. And those who bear our children have so much wisdom to share. What do you think? I liked your sermon. Okay, good. All right. Let's wrap this up. 
The last paragraph in this article says, Researchers at the University of Washington recently showed that a photo set used to train computer software programs, including at Facebook and Microsoft, was more likely to associate women with activities like cooking and shopping. Researchers at Boston University and Microsoft found that software program trained on text from Google News was also more likely to link women with domestic activities. When asked to complete the statement, man is to computer programmer, as women is to X, the program responded, homemaker. And that leads into our next podcast. Wow. Okay, so for our next podcast, we are going to be talking about the second article in this series by the New York Times called Who's Doing the Dishes? <laughs> oh, it's going to be interesting. Should be. And so for our little outro, here is a rare treat. We are going to share with you a song, uh, an original song that uh, was inspired by Ruthie wanting to learn the ukulele, me picking up a couple few chords and writing this song called Quarantine With Me. Enjoy. staying at home I've been disinfecting things wiping down the groceries and keeping my hands clean I've been taking every measure to reassure you we'll be safe together so sure honey baby won't you quarantine with me sugar bear the bars are closed but I've been getting drunk on memories of you I've been cutting my own hair to keep from going out. What else can I do? Bleaching alcohol and surgical gloves are on the shopping list for you, my love. So sugar bear, won't you quarantine with me? Peaches and cream, where have you been? Keeping safe, I see. you make me have to ask if you go back out you better put on your mask so you can come back here and quarantine with me yes indeed rush back home and quarantine with me COVID-19 peaches and cream won't you quarantine with me